life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are wonderful. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. In today's episode, I sit down with Dr. Tom O'Brien. Dr. O'Brien is an internationally recognized functional medicine practitioner, speaker, and workshop leader specializing on the impact of celiac disease, non-celiac gluten sensitivity, and the development of autoimmune conditions. You can find out more about Dr. Tom O'Brien at thedoctor.com. That's the dr.com. And in today's episode, we're going to deep dive into the truth about gluten, how to identify if these GI disorders, which are primarily food-based, may be affecting you or your loved ones, how to optimize your energy, and how to avoid the pitfalls that have most people feeling tired, overweight, and frustrated by these conditions. So without further ado, I look forward to sharing with you my conversation with Dr. Tom O'Brien. Hey everyone, I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Anthony DiClemente, and welcome to another episode of our Biohacking Experts interview series, where it's my job to discover and deconstruct the most effective strategies to rapidly upgrade our physical and mental performance. I sit down with world-class experts, whether they are doctors, scientists, trainers, athletes, engineers, entertainers, biohackers, or otherwise. I give you the latest research, the products, the routines, the habits, the best resources, etc., that you can use. At least that's the objective. Our mission is to empower each other with uncommon evidence-based strategies for living happier, looking healthier, and feeling better. And this episode was really exciting because the guest, Dr. Tom O'Brien, is an internationally recognized physician, speaker, and one of the leading voices specializing in the complications of non-celiac gluten sensitivity and celiac disease. He recently hosted the Paradigm Shifting Gluten Summit, which brought together 29 of the world's experts on celiac disease and non-celiac gluten sensitivity at www.theglutensummit.com. He's also been featured on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and too many other media outlets to name here. He's put together an incredible eye-opening free report for you guys that you can download at www.thedr.com forward slash gluten truth. That's G-L-U-T-E-N-T-R-U-T-H. Dr. Tom is on the short list of people I turn to when I have a question about gluten, food sensitivities, or any one of the myriad of digestive complications that have reached epidemic proportions today. In this interview, we get into a lot of details and tips that you may have not heard before. It's not the same regurgitated, take a probiotic and avoid sugars and carbohydrates type advice that you've heard a thousand times. We cover a ton and we had a lot of fun. His favorite water hack to optimize hydration on a cellular level, the specific foods to avoid if you want to steer clear of psoriasis, skin conditions, rheumatoid arthritis, and Parkinson's disease. The scientific reason certain people can't lose weight with diet and exercise alone and what they need to do to fix it, which probiotics are like flushing your money down the drain, the most important and accurate laboratory tests to assess cardiovascular risk factors and digestive problems. Many laboratory tests are not particularly accurate in these areas, and the list goes on and on. We had a really great time. I hope that you also have a great time listening to it. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Tom O'Brien. All right. Welcome to the show. I'm here with Dr. Tom O'Brien. He is on the teaching staff at the Institute of Functional Medicine, and he has dedicated his life to the study of how foods can impact us in ways that we may never think. Welcome to the show, Dr. O'Brien. Oh, thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. I was hoping you could share with us the story of how you chose to specialize in gluten and food sensitivities. You bet. My passion got fired up with this event. I got a call one day that my godmother was being rushed to the hospital, 84-year-old woman. So what's wrong? What's wrong? And so, well, we didn't know, some kind of stomach pain. Her health history was that she was only in the hospital three times in her life, two natural childbirths and a car accident in her 60s that broke her hip. So she was in the hospital for a week. Never took any pharmaceuticals, no medications at all. 
except for pain medication for about a year after breaking her hip. Nothing else. Every year she'd get a, a physical and her doctor would say, Emily, you're as healthy as a horse, but you have to stop drinking. And Aunt Emily would say, I don't drink. And she didn't. And the doctor would go, uh -huh, uh -huh, and then go on. And every doctor sees mildly elevated liver enzymes uh, every week in practice when, when, when you look at blood work. It's very common. And if there are no symptoms of any liver disease, there's no other markers, there's no indicators that you have to explore this further, just some mildly elevated liver enzymes, you say, well, all right, let's watch this. When they just keep watching it. The next year, she get a physical. Emily, you're as healthy as a horse, but you got to stop drinking. And she'd say, what's the matter with you? I told you last year, this is my godmother, Emily Bertiotti from Italy, right? What's the matter with you? And her doctor was Italian, and she talked to him in Italian, but that's what she would say. And, and he'd go, uh-huh, and do nothing. Well, liver enzymes are a measure of dead liver cells. And we all lose liver cells every day, and we make new liver cells every day. So there's a normal reference range of how many cells you're losing, uh, what's your level of enzymes. There's a normal reference range. And if you're in the normal reference range, you're making as many as you're losing, everything's fine. But when you have mildly elevated liver enzymes, you're losing more cells than you're making. You're killing off more cells than you're making. This went on for years. And one day they rush her to the hospital, severe pain. And they get her in the hospital in the ER and they find out that she has 96% of her liver is completely sclerosed. Completely sclerosed. Only 4% of her liver that's left functioning. And she had no symptoms for years. Now you've got an 84-year-old frail woman, like most 84-year-old women are, you know, thin skin, thin blood vessels. All the blood in the body goes through the liver, but now all the blood in the body is going through 4% of the liver. Now those blood vessels in the 4% of the liver that are having to transport all of this blood are designed to handle 4% of the blood, not 100% of the blood. So what happens to an 84-year-old woman, kind of frail, what happens to her blood vessels when all of a sudden there's 25 times more blood going through those blood vessels than there should be? They burst. Internal, internal hemorrhaging. Oh, oh, severe pain. Rush her to the hospital. Emergency surgery. Save her life. So I'm on the phone calling, calling, and you know, find out what's going on. And I say to her daughter, my cousin, I said, Cindy, have this blood test done. And it was a blood test for celiac disease. She said, well, why would I do that? And I said, because this may be a contributor to what caused your mom's problem. It's easy, it's simple, it's cheap. Let's just find out, just rule it out. So I didn't hear from her. And in the midst of all this, my godmother had six emergency surgeries in two months. The blood vessels keep bursting. What are you gonna do in an 84-year-old woman? You're not gonna give her a new liver. You can't bypass the liver. So they keep bursting in the hospital. Emergency surgery six times in two months. Finally, the doctor says, Emily, go home, make your peace. And she was really weak, 84-year-old woman, six emergency surgeries in two months, never left the hospital. He said, go home, your blood vessels are too thin, they're paper thin, I can't do any more surgery. How much time do I have? We don't know, two weeks, two months, we don't know. It'll be quick. So that's when they sent Aunt Emily home to die. Now, I had called my cousin, and I said, Cindy, what happened on that blood test? And she said, oh, Tommy. They call me Tommy in Pittsburgh. Oh, Tommy. The doctor says you're probably a nice man, but you really don't know what you're talking about. And I said, really? What's his phone number? So I called this guy, one of the world's leading hepatologists. That's a liver specialist. And I got his voicemail. He was in surgery. And I said, dear doctor, hi, it's Dr. O'Brien from Chicago. I lived in Chicago at the time. And I said, thanks so much for saving my godmother's life. I have a question for you, though. You're a hepatologist. Do you ever read the journal Hepatology? Did you read November 2007, the article from Mayo Clinic titled The Liver and Celiac Disease, where they say mildly elevated liver enzymes may be the only indicator of celiac? And 75 to 95% of people a year on a gluten-free diet, the liver enzymes go back to normal. Did you read that article? Well, of course he didn't, or else he would have ordered the simple blood test to check it out. 
or that if you have liver cirrhosis and you have the sensitivity to gluten, you're eight times more likely to die, eight times, than if you have liver cirrhosis without celiac disease. At Mayo Clinic, this is in the article, every patient where they do a biopsy of the liver and there's a problem, but they can't identify a disease causing that problem, every person that they put on a gluten-free diet, when they do the biopsy again, the liver's normal. They reverse liver pathology in every single patient that had abnormal liver histology, that means looking at it under microscope, when they couldn't find a disease. Every one of them got better on a gluten-free diet. Did you read that article, doctor? And of course he didn't, right? So I wasn't really polite on the phone with how, I said, you're a great surgeon, you saved my godmother's life a number of times, thank you so much, but you need to realize you're a surgeon. You're not a clinician. You're not someone that's investigating causes. So I didn't say this, but it's like shame on you for telling her, well, some people just have this happen. No, there's always a mechanism. What you should say is, I'm not sure why this happens to you, Emily. I'm not sure. That would be an honest answer. So they sent my godmother home to die. That's when I flew to Pittsburgh to say goodbye to my godmother. I stayed three days. Uh, You ever say goodbye to somebody that's known you longer than you've known you? You know, and they're going to die. They're going to die soon. Could be any day. So I get up early in the morning. I got up one morning, and she's laying on the sofa in the living room. I said, Emily, what are you doing up so She says, I can't sleep. And she was sitting on the sofa, and I said, lay down. And she said, I'm too old for you. And I just started laughing. That was my godmother. And I said, I know, I know. But I can't have your body. I want your blood. Lay down. And I'd brought a barrel, a needle, and a tube, and I drew her blood. And I called LabCorp, and I said, this is Dr. O'Brien from Chicago. My account number is blah, 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 blah. Come get this blood now. And they did, and she's a celiac. I said, Emily, do you remember how your doctor would tell you to stop drinking all those times? Yeah, tell him, what's wrong with him? I don't drink. I said, I know, I know, but that's a common reason. And these enzymes being elevated, that's what killed off your liver. So they say you've got two weeks, two months. They don't know. But I promise you, you're going to feel better. You're going to have more energy because she'd had six emergency surgeries in eight weeks, and she was really fatigued. You're going to have much more energy if you never eat wheat again. And Uncle Mario, don't you make that pasta. You make this pasta instead. And I brought some rice pasta. And we tried it that night with their sauce. And told me, this is okay. It's okay. It's great. You eat this. My godmother didn't live two weeks. She didn't live two months. She lived a year and a half. A year and a half with the same liver, no drugs. There's nothing to do to stop the blood vessels from bursting. But they stopped bursting. The only difference was going gluten-free. She lived a year and a half. That's a year and a half of the grandkids coming over every day to do their homework there. And the children bringing meals every day. There's always someone there when I call to see how she's doing. I have a big family there in Pittsburgh. Always the cousins were there. Why? The matriarch might die in five minutes. She'd get up, you know, to go get a glass of water from the lazy boy in the living room. Everybody say, hey, where are you going? I'm, I'm getting some water. And they all jump. She said, sit down, sit down. If I die, I die right? What do you do with someone when you know they might die at any minute? It's a different relationship. There's no bull anymore, you know, and she really spoke from her heart to all of us about how she felt about us, about how we lived our lives, the observations she had made. It was, I call it a sacred time. And she called me somewhere in the middle of that year and a half and said, Tommy, I have cancer. I said, I know. What do you mean, you know? Well, it happens with your condition. Why didn't you tell me? What for? You're going to die anyway. Why should I worry you, right? So she laughed. She said, what should I do? I don't know, Aunt Emily, but I'll find out. What's the name of your oncologist? So I called, and I got the protocols that were being recommended. And I said, I'm sorry, can you spell that word for me, please? I'm not familiar with that. And I spent two days. I mean, my world stopped. Two days. I was on research, looking at all the studies I could find on the protocols that were recommended. Then I called my godmother and I said, there's no evidence, Aunt Emily, you'll live one day longer, not one. You certainly will be sick, you'll be throwing up, you'll lose your hair, and just throwing up might kill you because of the stress that that can cause. I'll help you any way you want, but I wouldn't do it. So she didn't do it. And eventually, I get the call any day now. So I was lecturing in South Dakota, I remember, 
and it was the break, and I saw that my family had called from Pittsburgh, so I called them on the break, and they told me, any day now, any day. So I came back on stage after the break, and I told the 200 doctors, I said, I have to leave now. I know you're here to hear me speak for eight hours. I'm sorry. I'll make it up to you somehow. But and I told them what the story was, and I said, I'm out of here. And I went to the airport, got on a plane, and went to Pittsburgh. My godmother weighed 53 pounds. The cancer had eaten her up just eating her up. She didn't have any pain at all, but it had eaten her up. So I'm sitting at her bedside. My head's in her lap and she's stroking my hair. Every time I talk about it, I still feel it. And I'm sobbing. I'm just sobbing. It's my godmother. And I lift my head up and she's sobbing too. And, you know, she looks me in the eyes with so much love and she says, thank you. Thank you, Tommy. She had a year and a half, right? And then she got this fire in her eye, Anthony, just this fire. And she looked at me and said, you tell him, you tell him. I said, I will, Aunt Emily, I will. That's why we're here today. That's why I'm talking with your tribe, the people that you're reaching out to, is to give you guys a message that you just consider. You just think about the science I'm about to tell you in this next hour and you don't blow it off, you just investigate it for yourself. Just check it out. That's all I'm here to say, is just check this out, because this will take you down if you have a problem and you don't know, as it killed off my godmother's liver over many, many years. You pull at a chain, the chain breaks at the weakest link. It's at one end, the middle, the other end, your heart, your brain, your liver, your kidneys. You have a food-related disorder, where you are going to have the impact is wherever the genetic weak link is in your chain. It's genetics and antecedents. Antecedents is how you've lived your life. If you have a whole lot of mercury toxicity or lead poisoning, like the kids in Flint right now, or you know, it's how you live your life with your genetics that determines where your weak link is. And a food-related disorder pulls at the chain. And the more you pull, the more likely it is that you're going to kill off tissue over time. It's not in a day or a week. It's over time. And the result is eventually you start getting symptoms from that damaged tissue eventually. And then eventually you get enough symptoms to where you go get a, go see a doctor. And then eventually you get the diagnosis. You got Parkinson's or you got rheumatoid arthritis or you got psoriasis. And the pull on the chain that went for many, many years includes, and for the majority of people, the primary pull on the chain is the food that you're putting in your mouth. So you find out what foods don't work in your body, whether you like the taste of them or not. Give me a break. You think Coca-Cola and ding-dongs are okay? This will kill you. And it won't kill you today, but it will kill you. So my job is to carry this message out just to check. What works in your body, what doesn't work. Not because it's a good idea to be paleo or a good idea to be vegetarian or a good idea to be Mediterranean diet. You look and see with the right test, how is your body working now? For some people, paleo is perfect. For some people, vegetarian is perfect. For some people, Mediterranean is perfect. You just got to find out what works for everybody. You need to be asking smarter questions. And the way you monitor the effectiveness of what you're doing is by what we call biomarkers. Whether it's blood tests or functional tests, it could be a body fat analysis that looks at your phase angle, your intracellular water, extracellular water, whatever biomarkers you have access to, whatever markers you can use to see how is my body functioning. With this program I'm doing right now, how is my body functioning? So that's why I'm here today. Thank you for sharing the story. Before we get into the specific tests that you recommend, what are the most common food sensitivities that you see with your clients? Clinically, the most common when you check is wheat. Most common. Dairy is a close second. And then soy, egg, and corn. In that order, clinically, is what I see. And the studies that I've read put them all in a similar category of high-frequency, high-risk foods. What are the early warning signs that you may have a food sensitivity? 
for someone that hasn't done an elimination provocation diet, the whole 30, any sort of blood work, what are some signs that should clue them in that there could be something going on? That's a really good question, and I will answer that question first in, out of respect to my friend, Dr. Rodney Ford, who is a pediatric gastroenterologist. Dr. Ford started talking about gluten as being a potential problem for children back in the early 1990s. He, he was the pioneer. He was way ahead of his time, and he's still carrying the same message now. He's in his 60s now, still carrying the same message. And when people ask him, who should we check? Who should we be concerned about that have a sensitivity to foods? And Dr. Ford's answer is so perfect. He said, well, you should check anyone who is sick. Because if you are sick, your body's not working right. So if you don't have enough energy, you're sick. If you get headaches, you're sick. If your joints hurt, you're sick. When your body isn't working ideally the way you want it to, we rationalize, well, there's too much stress, or I had too much coffee the other day, or oh my God, I've been working way too hard. Or We rationalize in our head to try to find some safety in our explanations. I'm getting older. Yeah, I'm getting older, right. Well, I've had that so many times. Yeah, I'm getting older. You know, that's, that's okay. I don't feel, really? Yeah, you know, I, my brain's not working quite the way it used to. I'm just getting older. How old are you? I'm 38. No, no, you should be able to learn new languages in your 80s. There's no reason why not, unless you burned out your brain cells over a lifetime because that's a weak link in your chain and you've always had like brain fog or brain fatigue and sometimes you can't dial down functioning properly. Those are signs that your brain's not working right and you keep pushing forward to do the best you can in the midst of that less than optimal function. So what are the biomarkers? Anytime your body's not working the way it should be. That, does that include diet-resistant, hard-to-lose weight? Diet-resistant, hard-to-lose weight people. So they go on diets and they don't lose weight? Is that your... Yeah, people that have tried multiple different diets, they've tried working out, and they're just not seeing results. Okay, that's different than people that go on diets, lose weight, and then they gain it back. So you're talking about people who go on diets and they don't lose weight. Correct. Okay, that is usually associated with one of two things, the most common, well-accepted in the literature and cutting edge right now, that's a microbiota problem in the gut. You've got survival, um, you've, you've got bacteria in your gut that are survival bacteria, and they're way too dominant. They aren't going to let you lose weight. They're going to hoard every calorie that you can possibly get your hands on. The example of that is the Pima Indians. P-I-M-A. If you Google Pima Indians, you go, oh my God. Because you read about this and what you see, Pima Indians live in the southwest U.S., you know, desert area. You know, the Apaches and the Comanches live there and the Pimas. The Pimas have been there for, I don't know, a thousand years, maybe more, something like that. They've been there a long, long time. How do people survive when they can't farm? Because there's no soil to farm. It's desert. How do they survive? Well, they've got to be really efficient at using all the calories of whatever food they can find, right? So they find food and they do, uh, their bodies will absorb as a very high percentage of the calories. So those that were not very efficient at absorbing calories, they didn't survive. So they didn't reproduce. Those that reproduced were those that were efficient at hoarding and using as many calories as they possibly could. And they pass on those genes to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. So where are those genes? There are the bacteria in the gut. Those are the genes that the Pima Indians have in very high concentrations. Those, that bacteria carries the genes to hoard calories, hoard calories, hoard calories. Fast forward now to the 1930s and 1940s. Now the Pima Indians are put on reservations and they start eating the American government sponsored food. They're ding-dongs and ho-hos and potato chips and canned macaroni and cheese, you know, and canned SpaghettiOs and all that other garbage that many of us grew up on and somehow survived. But the Pima Indians' genes hoard calories. They have a much higher concentration of the bacteria 
that hoards calories compared to anyone else. So what's the end point of that? Today, the Pima Indian people, 50% of them are morbidly obese and have type 2 diabetes by the age of 35. 50% of them. Change the microbiota in their gut, they start losing weight. The science is really clear on that. So the first thing to your, uh, your question about people go on diets, they can't lose weight. Why? The first is their microbiota is out of balance. That's the first. The second thing is you have to check thyroid function. Now, there may be others, other mechanisms that may be inhibiting all this, but those are the top two. When you see thyroid issues in weight and energy cases where there's suboptimal energy or excess body fat, how often is gluten involved and Hashimoto's autoimmunity? Very, very often there's a, a seven-fold increase of having a sensitivity to gluten in people diagnosed with Hashimoto's than people that are diagnosed that don't have Hashimoto's. Seven times they're more likely to have a sensitivity to gluten. There are many studies on this. If you go to PubMed, PubMed stands for Public Medical Information, pubmed.gov. It's National Library of Medicine. This is for all your listeners. National Library of Medicine opens right up on the uh, uh, search engine and just type in thyroid and gluten. Boom. Here come three, four hundred, seven hundred studies. I don't know how many. Hundreds and hundreds of studies on the association between a sensitivity to gluten and thyroid dysfunction. Now, the other cause, the gut Many people are aware of the relationship between gut health and weight and energy. They've tried probiotics. They've even tried prebiotics. They've taken various supplements and many times without a lot of luck. Now, there's the Johns Hopkins study that looked at the combination of the non-absorbed antibiotics, the Zyfaxin and the Neomycin. Um, let's say someone doesn't want to go that route of prescription antibiotics. How do you recommend addressing weight-related issues tied to dysbiosis? <laughs> I grew up in Detroit, you know, and for some reason the old Motown, Motown song just came up, Shotgun. Shotgun! <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and what we've been doing for a long time is we shotgun probiotics in. Well, let's give them some probiotics. Let's see if that helps. You can't do that. It's going to help some people sometimes. But it's, a, it's better than a prayer, but it, not much uh, in terms of point-specific therapeutic protocols. You have to do an evaluation of what's going on in my gut right now. Do I have bad bacteria there that shouldn't be there? Do I have enough of the categories of the good bacteria? Uh, do I need to do DNA analysis of my microbiome to see what's really dominant? So um, we're, we're a society that has... The, out, the same outlook as the pharmaceutical industry supporters, which is you got a problem, take a drug. You got a problem, take some nutrition. You got a problem, figure out what the problem is. That's functional medicine. You figure out what the problem is, then you can approach it rationally as to what to do about it. Or you're going to be singing Motown songs most of your life. What gut tests do you go to first? Where do you find, because these tests can be expensive and that's where people, a lot of people hesitate. Right. I'd rather go, I'd rather take a trip to Mexico right. this winter than buy a gut test. Yeah, than poop in a box it's and priorities. ship it out. Right. That's right. It's priorities. You know, I'd rather go to Mexico, hang out on the beach for a week or two weeks and drink a lot of... Uh, uh, Coronas. Uh, there you go. Coronas. Coronas and uh, what are those little drinks uh, with little foamy... Uh, Daiquiris, there you go, there you go, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do a gut test. I can't afford it. Oh, okay. Well, come on in in two weeks, and we'll. Oh no, I won't be here. I'm going to Mexico. Okay, <laughs> come back. Come back when you're sick enough. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but the whole way we look at health is twisted. You want to do the right functional test for which you apply the correct therapeutic protocol. So in terms of stool analysis, I mean, we've got webinars on this stuff. We teach physicians. We teach the general public all about this. You'll find a lot of information on my website. The website is thedr.com, thedr.com. 
and you can find a ton of information there about different tests and take that information to your doctor and say, I want this test. Print it out, say, I want this test. And your doctor won't know, oh, it's a waste of time. We'll do my test. No, I want this test. Why? Well, because this doctor I heard speak, he's on the faculty of the Institute for Functional Medicine, and he's talking about the comprehensiveness of testing. You don't want to do a stool analysis at your local hospital where they do three or four a week. You want to do a stool analysis at specialty labs where they do 200 or 300 a day. And because they're the ones that are going to be able more likely to identify what might be going on in your gut. As my godmother would say, what's the matter with you, right? I'm going to Mexico. I can't afford a test. Okay. I'll see you next year if you're still around. Listen, I buried my friend four days ago. He died of a massive coronary playing tennis. He played tennis three or four days a week. He was 76. He'd been playing three or four days a week his whole life. He beats 30-year-olds. He was unbelievable on the tennis court. And I would say to him, Ray, please do a comprehensive cardiovascular test. Please do my test. No, 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 no. My doctor says my heart is my strongest organ. It's going to carry me till I'm 100. My cholesterol is only 190, and my HDLs are 72. My doctor says my heart is fine. Ray, if you read the studies, 50% of people that die of a massive coronary do not have high cholesterol. 50% of them. So what tests are you doing to see if you're at risk of a heart attack? Well, I checked my cholesterol. Well, that's really good for 50% of the population. The other 50%, it doesn't work. That test is 35 years old. It's a good test to do. It's a valid test to do, but it's a limited test to do. Science has improved tremendously. Right, please do the test. It'll cost you like, it'll cost you 80 bucks because your insurance will pay most of it. It's like a $300 test, but there are a number of labs that will take a, it's like a copay. I, I don't really understand. I don't pay attention to it too much, but he never did it. And I, 20 times over the years, I may have said this to him. 20 times. Why? Because he had creases in his ears. Go on Google and type in earlobe creases and cardiovascular disease. It'll drop your jaw. That it's a biomarker. It's a suggestive indicator that you may have a problem going on here. And he had creases in his ears. And he dropped of a massive coronary on the tennis court, which is ideal in some ways. You know, you hope that your period of disability is very short at the end of your life, right? You don't want to develop degenerative diseases like lupus or Hashimoto's or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's that shorten your life. And then the last years of your life being terrible. What you do now in your 20s, 30s, and 40s determines what kind of body you're going to have. Next question. If, if, there were, if there were three tests that you consider to be most important for people looking to optimize energy and mental clarity, what would they be? It's a really good question. If there were three tests uh, to optimize energy and mental clarity, what would they be? The first one is Cyrex Labs Array Number 3. It's the most comprehensive test out there today looking for a sensitivity to gluten, with or without celiac disease. The second one would be a comprehensive purged stool analysis. And there are a number of labs that are great for that. Doctors Data, Genova, Metametrics, Alcat. There are a number of really good functional labs that can look for those. The third test is a comprehensive marker of inflammation in your body. And you can get that as part of a sophisticated cardiovascular profile. So you're looking for markers of inflammation that include homocysteine. Sorry, it was just it just froze on us right when you had covered the uh, comprehensive markers of inflammation. What was that specific test? You said you wanted to look at homocysteine, C-reactive protein, and then we got a little bit of freezing going on. Okay. Um, that is a comprehensive cardiovascular profile. Depending on the lab, we determine what their name for it is. At Genova, it's CV Profile 2.0. Alcat, I don't know what their name is for it. 
uh, Spectracell, I don't know what their name is for. The category is a lipid subfractionation plus inflammatory markers. Thank you very much. That's really general. My friend Mark Houston, who is probably the world's leading vascular biologist, that means the health of your blood vessels, he has identified close to 400 markers of inflammation in the cardiovascular system. So there are many, many markers, but the entry level to be a little bit more comprehensive is the one that I just mentioned. What is gluten exactly? For the people that are listening, they know it's, you know, we've, we've, a lot of people have seen This is the End, the Seth Rogen movie, and they're joking in the car, and he's like, well, I stopped eating gluten, and, uh, you know, saying, well, what is gluten? No, it's, it's everything that's bad for you. You know, it's, it's grains. And a lot of people, they, they know it's not good. They know it's kind of associated with grains. But what is gluten? Okay. Uh, gluten is a family of proteins. It's not one. It's a family of proteins. And the premise is gluten is not bad for you. Bad gluten is bad for you. There's gluten in rice. There's gluten in corn. There's gluten in quinoa. So it's not that gluten is bad for you. It's the family of gluten proteins that are in wheat, rye, and barley. Those are the ones that are toxic to all, all humans. No human can digest the gluten proteins of wheat. Harvard published on that last year, January of 2015. They showed that every human exposed to wheat develops intestinal permeability. Every human, every time. Every single person. So for the folks who say, I am not sensitive to gluten, I don't have any issues Anyone that eats wheat is having this take place. Yes. Well, uh, the accurate language for those folks would be, I am not noticing any symptoms from eating this food that my body cannot fully digest. But every human activates the genes for intestinal permeability every time they eat gluten from wheat, rye, or barley. Does that include organic variations of these foods? Every human, every time. It doesn't matter if it's organic or GMO. GMO makes it worse. GMO is a huge problem, but that's not why people have a sensitivity to wheat. It doesn't matter if it's the ancient strains or the hybrid strains. It doesn't matter. No human. See, if you think of protein as a pearl necklace, hydrochloric acid is made in your stomach. It undoes the clasp of the pearl necklace. Now you have a string of pearls. And our digestive enzymes act as scissors to cut off each pearl of the pearl necklace. They're called amino acids. And the amino acids can go right through the walls, the cheesecloth that lines the walls of the intestines. The amino acids can slip right through the cheesecloth and get into the bloodstream. Then your body puts the amino acids together to make muscle and bone and brain and whatever they're going to be used for. But what happens with the toxic gluten proteins of wheat, rye, and barley, every time you eat them, you tear the cheesecloth. Now, the fastest growing cells in the body are the inside lining of the intestines. We've all heard that you have a whole new body every seven years. Some cells take a long time to regenerate. Other cells, every three to five days, you have a whole new lining of your intestines. So you have toast for breakfast, you tear the lining, it heals. You have a sandwich for lunch, you tear the lining. And it heals. You get pasta for dinner. You tear the lining, and it heals. Day in, a little um, the flour that's in soup, commercial soups. You tear the lining, but it heals. You tear the lining, it heals. Until one day, you can be two years old, twenty-two years old, sixty-two years old. One day, you don't heal anymore. Now you get pathogenic intestinal permeability, slang term, the leaky gut. And now these molecules, these pieces of the pearl necklace that are being snipped down, why do you think the intestines are 25 feet long? Because it takes a whole lo a long time to break down food. So it's got to travel down through the intestines, being broken down more, broken down more, broken down more, broken down more, until it's small enough to go right through the cheesecloth. But if you get tears in the cheesecloth in the front part of the intestines, that's what happens with gluten, you get tears in the cheesecloth, now these pieces of the pearl necklace that are being snipped, but they're still too big to get through the cheesecloth. Now they get through the tears in the cheesecloth. And they're called macromolecules, big molecules. Those macromolecules go through the tears in the cheesecloth into the bloodstream. 
Now your immune system says, whoa, what's this? I better fight this. Now you make antibodies to that macromolecule. That's the person that comes, they do a, a 90 food blood test and they come back allergic to 15, 20, 25 foods. And it's all the food. Oh my God, that's what I eat every day. Of course it is. Your immune system's trying to protect you. These macromolecules that are getting into the bloodstream. Heal the gut. Stop throwing gasoline on the fire. Stop eating the food that you're sensitive to. Take the right nutrition to heal the gut. And then in six months to a year, you do the test again. You're only allergic to two foods or maybe three. So when you see cases of people that have high quantities of food sensitivities, and it was foods that they weren't allergic to earlier in their life, that they had no problems with, the culprit is leaky gut intestinal permeability? That is the most common culprit. Yes. That is most common. There are other mechanisms. There's something called cross-reactivity. For example, if you make antibodies to gluten, 50% of those people will also make antibodies to dairy. And if you keep eating dairy on a gluten-free diet, you, you have the risk of continuing to have gluten antibodies. But I'm not eating gluten. You're eating dairy. You're also sensitive to dairy. And that's a cross-reactivity that can occur in some people. What nutritional protocol do you put your clients on to heal, to help them heal their gut? Do you do gaps? Do you do the specific carbohydrate diet? Where do you tend to favor recommending clients go nutritionally? The first step in healing the gut is stop throwing gasoline on the fire. You think? Which causes the tears in the cheesecloth, which also causes the disruption of the good bacteria, and the bad bacteria love it, and they prosper because inflammation eliminates the good bacteria. So you can't keep eating the foods that you're sensitive to and take some pills and think you're going to be fine. You can't cheat Mother Nature. There is a premise out there. Body language never lies. Never lies. You just have to learn how to read body language properly, right? So the first step in healing the gut is stop throwing gasoline on the fire. The second step is rebuild the intestinal microbiome, the environment that all of this damage is occurring in. Well, how do you do that? Well, you do the right test to find out what the environment's like and then apply correct action to deal with what you found in your testing. The third step in terms of the nutrition to help accelerate the healing of the gut is to take the right nutrition. And there's three basic things that we emphasize. The first one is there are many nutrients, many, that have been shown to be a benefit to heal the gut. There are many. I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 different things. I'm making it up. I've never counted them all, but there are many. Well, people aren't going to take 10 things a day. You're not going to open 10 bottles once or twice a day, every day. They're not going to do it. They'll do it at first when they're scared, and then when they start to run out of something, oh, I'll get that next week or next time I'm around the store. And they keep taking their other stuff, and if they started taking eight things, now they're down to three, and they think they're still taking their nutrition because they ran out and they didn't bother to get the other stuff. So I came up with this concept many, many years ago to heal the gut, to put it in a pack. Mrs. Patient, can you take one pack a day? Now, there's six pills in there, but can you take one pack a day? And the pack has 22 different nutrients, and they're all designed to heal the gut. One pack a day. We all can take one. And guys can throw a pack. They can keep it in the glove box of their car, or they throw one in their pocket in the morning when they head off to work. You know, at any time of day, just take it. So it's one pack a day at 125 pounds or less. One pack twice a day if you're more than 125 pounds. It's called the GS packs for the gluten sensitivity, GS packs. Where can people get that? www.thedr.com. That product's been around for about seven years now, I think it is. And the feedback is tremendous. Tremendous. Doctors get great results when they're recommending it. Patients notice that they're successful in eliminating their symptoms if it was joint pain or thyroid dysfunction because they understand they've got to heal the gut. Rarely do you have to treat the thyroid if you have a thyroid problem. You can quote me on that. Some, sometimes you have to, but rarely, rarely. You have to deal with what's pulling on the chain. And so, we, have seen, we have seen so many people with Hashimoto's reverse their antibodies back to normal six months or a year 
on a gluten-free diet with the proper nutritional recommendations. So you start with healing intestinal permeability rather than addressing probiotics and prebiotics. No, we start with evaluation, get a big picture of what's going on. Okay. And the thing they do the day that the tests are done, even before the test results come back, Mrs. Patient, just give this a shot until your test results come back. I'll see you in two weeks when the test results are back. But start now. Go gluten-free, dairy-free. Let's see what happens. Just start now. And when people do that, they come back in two weeks, and the vast majority of people say, you know, I, I just feel better, Doc. And my joint pains are 30% reduced, or my energy's better, or I'm sleeping better, or my brain's functioning like it used to. They just notice right away when they stop throwing gasoline on the fire, the temperature calms down, the level of inflammation calms down. And then the test results come back, and then we dial it down and get real specific. Have you had anyone that did not experience benefits from going gluten-free, dairy-free? Oh, sure. Sure. Of course. I've been doing this for 30 years. You bet. And I don't recommend that everyone go gluten-free. I've never, ever said that. What I say is that if you're not happy with your current function, check to see if you should go gluten-free. Check. You just have to do the right test. So let's talk about tests for a minute for this. So we've got the pearl necklace. And it breaks down into clumps of pearls. That's the best the body can do with the gluten proteins of wheat, rye, and barley is clumps of pearls. Now, the most common clump of pearl that has been identified that people are sensitive to is a 33-pearl clump. 33 amino acids. It's called alpha-glidin. The 33 amino acids. That's what every doctor checks is alpha-glidin. But the research shows, the papers are very clear, and in my seminars I show docs the research, there's over 62 different clumps of the pearl necklace that may stimulate an immune response from wheat. There's 62 clumps. Why are we checking only one? So many people get the test for gluten sensitivity, and it comes back negative, but when they go gluten-free, they feel better. And the doctor thinks they're hallucinating. It's all in their head. No, see, here's a test result. It's fine to eat gluten. No, it's not. What the test result says is that you do not appear to have a problem with alpha-glidin. It's a mistake to say you do not appear to have a problem with gluten. It's a mistake. All you can say from the test that every doctor does is it appears you do not have a problem with alpha-glidin if it comes back negative. There's 62. So Cyrex Labs opened almost five years ago now, and they look at the top 10 peptides of gluten. So you reduce the possibilities of getting a false negative dramatically when you look at 10 different peptides of gluten. You still can get a false negative, but your odds are much higher of getting a positive identification if the problem is there. There's a lot of information on that, and that's one of my gifts to everybody today. I wrote an article about that for patients to take to their doctors. You read it, Mrs. Patient, and then take it to your doctor. And it talks about the rationale, why this is. Here's the studies that show the inefficiency of looking only for alpha-glidin. Here are the things to look for. Here's the laboratory. Here, here's our phone number. Doc, open an account. Get the test done for your patients. And it's called the conundrum of gluten sensitivity, why the tests are often wrong. So when you read that and you give it to your doctor, if they don't order the test for you and you say, I want to do this test, if they don't order it for you, get another doctor as part of your team. Don't fire that guy but, or woman, but recognize they're limited in their scope of practice. They're not, because here's the studies. You read the studies and you see, well, that makes sense. You just want to check a little more thoroughly. But there's such a position that, oh, I know what I'm doing with gluten. No, you don't. You know what people were doing testing for gluten 15 years ago. I want to be respectful of your time. You've shared a lot so far. If we were to distill it down to three things you would recommend anyone looking to optimize their energy and focus, what would they be? You mentioned some of your resources as well, so please feel free to include those in the steps if it makes sense. Oh, thanks. Um, three things that people do. First, 
When you wake up in the morning, very first thing you do, everybody goes to the bathroom, usually first thing. Next thing you do, two big glasses of water right away. And it'll feel like, oh, I'm going to throw up. No, you're not. And if you do, fine, then drink a little more. Two glasses of water. And you'll notice within about a week that you look forward to getting that water first thing in the morning. It hydrates you. It kind of wakes up the body. It makes sure that your communication system can communicate as comprehensively as it needs to. Most of us are dehydrated. We're not getting anywhere near enough water. Not orange juice. How many times do you see orange juice coming down the streams from the mountains? Having a little glass once in a while is fine, but water is what we are designed, living on the planet, what we're designed to drink is water. What type of water do you drink? Well, I drink two types of water now. The first one's called Palomar, where I live. It's a local bottling spring water. They've been ranked in the top three waters nationwide for a number of years. And when I'm traveling, I drink Penta, P-E-N-T-A. I did studies on Penta when it first came out. It's available nationwide now. Uh, this is when I was in Chicago. I heard about this, and I called them. They're out in San Diego. And I said, hi, it's Dr. O'Brien. I want to do a study on your water. I said, how, how did you hear of us? We just opened. We're just a local little thing. Now they're nationwide. But I took 10 patients. I gave them four cases of water. So they sent me 50 cases of water, 10 patients, and I asked them to drink uh, two bottles a day, every day, uh, for a month. And I did bioelectrical impedance on them, which is you measure their body fat, and there are some other markers called phase angle and how much water is inside the cell, how much water is outside the cell. And they filled out symptom questionnaires. Every single patient's energy went up, every one, within a month. Their phase angle went up. Their intracellular water went up. Their cells were younger and healthier. So that's the water of... Palomar is just fabulous water, and that's what, that's what I drink when I'm home, and Penta when I'm on the road. No one's ever asked that before, but that's why, is because every all 10 patients, their energy improved, their sleep improved, their symptoms, whatever they were, were less, they felt better, and the biomarkers improved, every patient. So the, so the first thing is water. That's the first thing. Two glasses a day. Start your day. When you're not feeling well, do two glasses two or three times a day. You should be drinking more water in general, but purposely say, all right, I'm going to go have two glasses now uh, an hour before lunch. And you just drink two, just drink them right down, right away. And when you drink two glasses of water, some people feel full afterwards. When you drink two glasses of pento water, you don't feel full. You just feel, oh, okay, I guess that's enough. But you don't have that you know, bloating feeling that some waters will give you. Is that because it's, it's naturally structured? Uh, it's not naturally structured. It's been um, altered a bit. They run an electromagnetic current through it, and they change the molecular structure of the water, so it's absorbed much easier. S similar to Kangen? Similar to that concept, right. Okay. I don't know when Kangen first came out, but Penta has been out since the 1980s. Oh, wow. They, okay. They, did that back, they, they started doing that in the late 80s. So that's the first thing is two glasses of water a day. The second thing, stop throwing gasoline on the fire. Well, what does that mean? Well, you have to find out what foods really don't work for you. Well, I can't afford the tests. Well, if you truly cannot afford tests and you're not saving for a trip to Mexico, if you truly can't afford the test, there are some markers that you can use that help to suggest if you have a sensitivity to food or not. First, of course, notice if there's a certain time when you feel lousy, what did you eat before that? But there are a couple of biomarkers. For example, everybody just... Take a look at your socks right now. Just lift your leg up and pull your sock down. Do you have sock marks around your leg? Well, they're tight socks. All right, then look tomorrow with loose socks. Do you have sock marks? Do you have marks around the elastic of your underwear line? That's a marker that's suggestive of edema, which comes from food sensitivities. You also can go to Doris Rapp's site, R-A-P-P. -P. Dr. Doris Rapp was a pioneer pediatric allergist back in the 70s and 80s, I think in the 90s too. I think her last book came out in the 90s. But she's got pictures and you can look at kids and she says, see that swelling under their eyes? See those dark rings under their eyes? They're called allergic shiners. See that line across the nose? And she has little arrows pointing to it. You know, see, and you, you can see different markers of what suggests 
food sensitivities. So that's Doris Rapp. So the first thing, drink water. The second thing, stop throwing gasoline on the fire, so investigate. And the third thing is focus on your gut. Focus on the microbiome. If there's only one system of the body you're going to work on, it would be the microbiome. Uh, it's so critically important. We now know that Alzheimer's and Parkinson's begins in the gut with these misfolded proteins called alpha-synuclein and beta-amyloid. And they travel from the gut, from the bad, bad bacteria in the gut, misfold these proteins. They go right through the walls of the intestines, and they bind on the nerves that are in the intestines. Then they creep up the nerves, neuron by neuron. They go up the nerves. They travel up these proteins, go neuron by neuron back into the spinal cord to the vagus nerve, the 10th cranial nerve, and goes right up the spine and deposits in areas of the brain where it has a magnet to pull alpha-synuclein, which is the area of the brain called substantia nigra, and that's Parkinson's. That's the development of Parkinson's. Or other areas of the brain, the magnetic pull, and that's what causes Alzheimer's. So a contribution to the development of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's is a poor-functioning gut. If there's only one thing you did to be healthier, get a healthy gut more than anything else. And of course, if you use that as your premise, then when you eat gluten, you'll see, because the test results will show you, that you're messing with your gut. You're changing the microbiota of your gut. You're causing more inflammation in the gut. You cause intestinal permeability. And what supplement do you use more than any other to help people with that? Colostrum. 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 There's only one colostrum that I would recommend. It is the colostrum that six countries of Europe have licensed as the treatment of choice, and they pay for it, the treatment of choice for HIV. It's colostrum. And it's on our website. You'll see it there. You know, there are many single nutrients that have some beneficial mechanisms that play some note in getting better balance for you. Only colostrum plays the entire symphony. Colostrum turns your genes on to heal, to regenerate, to reproduce for the microbiota, the anti-inflammatory. There are so many, there are thousands of studies on colostrum. And you use that in individuals that are dairy sensitive. Yes. And the rationale is for that, Mrs. Patient, your test results are back. Your intestines are a mess. Actually, my favorite patients are those that come in and say, I've been to Mayo and they don't know what's wrong. And I said, that's great. That's really great. They look at me, what kind of a nutcase is this? That means you don't have a disease. If you had a disease, Mayo would find it. You've got dysfunction. So let's see what's not functioning right. Let's do functional tests to see what's not working right for you. And say, oh, well, that makes sense. So they come back in for their second visit when all the tests are in. And I say, good news. You're a mess. Now, let's fix it. Because all the things that you identify from a functional perspective that are out of balance there are protocols to begin doing to rebalance that area. And I may say to a patient, this patient's going to take you two years or it'll be three years of applying these principles because you're going to blow it sometimes. You think it's going to be okay. You're going to blow it. You're going to set yourself back because you're human. You know, but if you stay focused, if you have the right education so you get the big picture of what we're doing here, you'll be fine. It's going to take a while, but you'll be fine. Dr. O'Brien, this has been fantastic. I've had a good time and learned a lot. Where can people find out more about what you're working on and more about you? If you go to the dr.com forward slash gluten truth, we've put together a gluten truth discover pack. There's an hour interview I did with one of my mentors, Dr. Jeffrey Bland, the father of functional medicine, and Dr. Deanna Minnick. And the three of us talked about all this nonsense of these people who are saying that gluten sensitivity is a fad. And we just talk about the science in everyday language. So you can just hear the science. And I tell you where to go to get the studies if you want to read the studies and all of that. So that video, that one-hour interview is available for you, plus three different articles. One of them is the conundrum of gluten sensitivity, why the tests are often wrong. The second one is an article from Harvard on 
the ways that gluten sensitivity can manifest in the body with or without celiac disease. So the, the dr.com forward slash gluten truth. Fantastic. Dr. O'Brien, I appreciate your time. You've been very generous. You've shared a lot of great stuff and I've had a great time. So. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You know, my godmother told me to do this, and I'm never going to mess with my godmother, right? So if it moves your listening audience forward just a few steps in a bigger understanding of where degenerative disease comes from and why children today, New England Journal of Medicine tells us that children born today, as of seven years ago, children born today for the first time in the history of the human species, Children born today have a shorter lifespan, shorter projected lifespan than their parents. Your kids are going to die earlier than you, and you think you're doing the right things by following the lead of our traditional healthcare system. The World Health Organization tells us our traditional healthcare system in the U.S. is ranked second in overall healthcare quality out of 53 industrialized nations. We have the second worst infant mortality rate, the second worst life expectancy for teenagers. The, the stats just go on and on and on. Everyone needs a functional medicine practitioner as part of their healthcare team to be trained on how to think the big picture. And it's events like yours, Anthony, that just open up more information for people to hear. It's overwhelming to hear all this stuff. Of course it is. You aren't going to get it all in a day. We're a society. We want it now. You aren't going to get it now. There's no pill that's going to fix you. You need to understand some of the basic mechanisms in layman's language that set you up for how your body's functioning because there is no magic pill that's going to make it better and allow you to keep eating the stuff that you want to eat. It ain't going to happen. So excuse me, but I buried my friend last week. This killed my godmother because no one ever checked her for sensitivity to gluten. So, and I've got so many more examples of this. So, Thank you so much for the Thank opportunity you. to be with you, Anthony. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Thank you, doctor. You bet. This episode is brought to you by thedoctor.com, spelled the dr.com, which is my go-to resource for gluten sensitivity and celiac disease information. I love a number of their products, and I use a few of them myself. And with clients dealing with food sensitivities, autoimmunity, leaky gut, digestive issues, celiac disease, and IBS. Number one is perhaps the supplement I use more than any other with my one-on-one clients to help heal the gut. And no, it's not a probiotic. It's New Medica. GI Restore. GI Restore is a 100% pure bovine colostrum collected within the first 16 hours after birthing. It's a natural whole food that provides a rich source of IgG and PRP, which stands for proline-rich polypeptides, protein, immune factors, growth factors, vitamins, and minerals to support gut health and vitality naturally. GI Restore functions to support a reduction of intestinal-related issues, protect against irritations from toxins, and promote epithelial growth and repair. It's literally the only colostrum I use and recommend. My dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2015. As you may know, emerging research implicates gluten sensitivity as a contributing factor for Parkinson's. I use GI Restore from thedoctor.com as a part of my wellness prevention protocol. It's amazing. You will thank me. New Medica GI Restore. The second is New Medica Gluten Sensitivity PRP Balance Spray. PRP Balance is a bovine colostrum based natural immune balancing spray. It contains proline-rich polypeptides, which help modulate normal immune responses. What are PRPs, you ask? PRPs are tiny, information-carrying proteins with amazing adaptability. In times of intense physical stress, they help enhance immune activity by promoting the production of cytokines. In the opposite situation, when a healthy immune system reacts to environmental factors through cytokine production, PRPs send signals via specific cell receptor sites to decrease the production of cytokines in order to balance the immune system. PRPs also help regulate the thymus gland, which is the body's central command center for the immune system. You can Think of them like adaptogens for the immune system, helping to stimulate an underactive immune system or helping to downregulate an overactive immune system. They inhibit the overproduction of lymphocytes and T cells and may help reduce minor symptoms related to allergies, tenderness, and swelling. The two are a one-two punch for digestive, leaky gut, and autoimmune-related conditions, and I frequently include both in customized protocols for clients. Plus, it happens to taste like candy, which is a huge bonus. 
I love them and I think you will too. So all you need to do to give them a try is go to the dr.com, click on products and you can choose one of those two products, New Medica GI Restore, PRP Balance Spray. I recommend starting with New Medica GI Restore if you can only invest in one. There are also more than a dozen other products and biohacking approved books, white papers and tips available on the site. It's that easy. Go to the dr.com. That's the T H E D R.com. My go-to resource for gluten sensitivity and celiac disease. Check them out and enjoy. This episode is brought to you by millennial health systems, millennial health systems, engineers, innovative and practical light hacking tools for enhancing energy, detoxification, boosting immune function, improving focus, accelerating recovery, and much, much more. They are the brains behind two of my favorite light biohacks. I've been using for a long time now with myself and with clients, the Theralumin and the Spectrumite. The Spectrumite utilizes multiple frequency and color combinations delivered through 40 high-powered LEDs to increase mitochondrial function, the little energy powerhouses in our cells that produce ATP, boost nitric oxide production, and encourage a state of relaxed focus. It's based on NASA research, which has found this type of low-level laser therapy, abbreviated LLLT, greatly enhanced the natural wound healing process and more quickly return patients to pre-injury and pre-illness levels of activity. It's a one-stop shop for all of your light hacking needs. I use both the Spectrumite and the Theralumin every week and consider the Theralumin a cornerstone of the programs I put together and has helped some of my clients recover from chronic fatigue and other conditions with infectious causation like Lyme's disease. The Spectrumite is controlled via Wi-Fi using a smartphone application that's both intuitive and easy to use. And the Theralumin has literally two buttons, on and off. It's very simple. You can check out both products at millennialhealthsystems.com. That's millennialhealthsystems.com. Two L's and two N's in millennial. And right now, my listeners, that's you guys, will get $100 off the Theralumin and $50 off the Spectrumite. Just mention the code biohacks to get that discount. 